Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Lesson 7, By My Spirit Saith the Lord, Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Are you excited? Is your spirit man alive? Is it in tune with the Spirit of God? Stirred up? Full of faith and power? Amen. Did you come expecting to receive revelation knowledge tonight? Have you purposed in your own heart and mind to receive from God this night the truth that will make you free? Have you driven out the forces of darkness that would come against your mind to prevent you from receiving that light? Amen. Because you see, they'll attempt to do so to make you think about other things and, and fade out, you know, when it comes to listening to the things of God. Praise God. You just go ahead and, and uh, take care of that if you haven't done it. Father, I believe in Jesus' name that ears are anointed to hear and hearts are anointed to receive and minds opened so that the Word, dear Father God, may find its lodging within their hearts and take root and produce fruit in each and every life. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to boldly proclaim in demonstration of the Spirit and the power the truth of your Word. I thank you that our faith stands not in the wisdom of men but in the power of God and you're watching over your Word to perform it, dear Father God, in our lives this night and it will not return void. It'll accomplish that which you please and prosper in the thing whereunto you sent it. And I know you sent it unto us and healed us and delivered us from our afflictions. Thank you, dear Father God, for the life, the power, the energy, dear Father God, of your Word, finding, dear Father God, its, its place within our hearts so that we can, dear Father God, walk in the light as he is in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 4. We've been talking about the fact that God has always provided a place for his people where they can experience in their lives and enjoy in their lives abundant life and protection from all the powers of darkness and all the evils of this present age. We've said that God has always provided these provisions that will meet our needs in the spiritual realm in the emotional realm, in the physical realm, and of course in the material realm, in the financial realm. We said that in that place there is protection from all the forces of darkness to prevent us from harm, loss, damage, or injury as he keeps his eyes upon us. And of course that's also in every realm of life. We went on to say that history reveals and if you'll study the Bible, you'll see it to be true, that not too many entered into that place in God. And if they did enter in, they didn't stay in that place very long. For an example, Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden. God provided that place of total provision and total protection for him before he ever created him and put within that place all the resources that he needed for a productive life, an abundant life. But we see that Adam didn't stay in that place very long. He didn't know how to maintain the land. And that's all his job was, was to maintain the land, to maintain his position in God, in the place that God put him in. 
He didn't do that, and consequently he forfeited his right to remain in that land, and he was banished from that place in God. Yes, God provided a plan of redemption. We know that. But still, he was in a place of total provision and total protection, yet he was banished from that place because he didn't maintain his position in God. We went on to say that Israel failed in their first attempt to enter into this place that God provided for them called Canaan's land. Now, although they were delivered out of Egyptian bondage, the Bible says that God provided for them a land that they were to occupy, that they were to enter into where He can be big in their lives and provide all that they needed to, to be sustained in spirit and soul and in body and also provide complete protection for them in every department of their being, in spirit, in soul, and in body. But we see a difference here. We see that Adam was placed in that land, and there was a perfect environment for him to live in. But we see that the Israelites, they had to enter into that land by taking the land by force. We said that they had to drive out the enemy so that they can occupy that land. Now, although it was provided for them by God that there were giants in the land that wanted to prevent them from enjoying the fullness of the inheritance that God had provided for them. So it was not going to be an automatic thing like it was for Adam over there in the beginning. They would have to use ardent zeal, exercise intense energy and force and uh, uh, tenacious faith to enter into that land to drive out the enemy so they can occupy the land of their inheritance. It was not going to be an automatic thing. And we see that under the leadership of Moses, they failed to enter in. And then finally, under the leadership of Joshua, they entered into that place, but it wasn't too long before they entered back into captivity because they didn't learn the secret of maintaining the land of promise, the land that they were in, their position in God or in Him. Well, today, many Christians fail to realize that a place, that such a place has been provided for them in Christ, let alone have learned the secret of how to enter into that place or to maintain the land once they've entered in. I'll say that again. Today, many Christians fail to realize that such a place even exists in, in God. You start talking about walking in divine life, walking in divine health, walking in total provision, walking in total protection, that no evil will befall us, no plague in our dwelling, no weapon for against us will prosper and all that. You start talking about that and men look at you like you're coming from another planet. They've never heard of that. They don't realize that's, that's available. They don't realize that we have the potential to enter into that place in God and many even preach against that kind of preaching and teaching. And it's beyond me. I don't know why they do it when under that old covenant it was provided for them. And because we have a better covenant, Samuel's bond, better promises, my goodness, you know that we have that provided for us and then more. Amen? But they don't know that it exists, number one. They don't know the secret of entering into it to occupy it, number two. And they, of course, they don't know the secret of how to maintain the land once they've entered into that place in Him. Now, we know the place is in Christ. You see, we realize that. But once again, we must learn the secret of entering into that place to occupy the land by driving out the enemy and then maintaining that place, our position in Him. Well, how are we going to do that? First of all, let's... let's Read this because these scriptures will reveal to us that such a place does exist. Therefore, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And whenever you see a therefore, you know you're supposed to find out what it's there for. And it's therefore because the other chapter, the chapter 3 above this, says that although God provided a place for them to enter into, a place of rest 
that they did not enter into that rest because although they saw the miracle working power of God and although God carried them through the wilderness, carried them like babies in the wilderness and did all kinds of signs and wonders and miraculous occurrences and events in their lives, they still were not moved to believe the Word of God for the just shall live by faith. And because they didn't believe the Word of God, the time came that God was going to place them down out of His arms and say, Look, I've carried you throughout the wilderness by my supernatural, miracle-working power. Now it's time for you to begin to live by faith. You're not a baby any longer. Now look, there are giants in that land, but go in there and drive them out. I'll send my angel before you. I'm on your side, and you'll eat up. You'll drive out the inhabitants of the land, and I'll be a God to you, and you'll be my people. It's a land flowing with milk and honey and all kinds of provision and protection. And they weren't persuaded to believe the Word of God because their physical eyes saw problems, giants in the land. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But therefore, why? Because of doubt and unbelief, they didn't enter into that place. Notice this. Therefore, while the promise of entering into His rest still holds and is offered today. I don't know how you can get around that. He was talking about the entrance into Canaan's land where there was total provision and total protection for the total man. How many know that the gospel of Christ is a total gospel for the total provision of the total man? For the total deliverance of the total man? Amen. That's what it is. And that's what God offered them. And in Christ, we have that and much more. Therefore, while the promise of entering into His rest still holds, is offered today. Let us be afraid to distrust it lest any of you should, should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, that is, the leaning of the entire personality on God and absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom and goodness, by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with Joshua and Caleb, the ones who heard did believe. For we who have believed, who have adhered to, and trusted, and relied on God, do enter into that rest in accordance with His declaration that those who did not believe should not enter in, but enter where He said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. As, and this He said, although His works had been completed and prepared, and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. Now notice, God said it to Adam in the beginning, I made a place for you to dwell in, maintain the land. He didn't do it, was kicked out, banished from it, and now God made another place, but He says, I just can't put you in there. You have got to go in there, drive out the enemy, and you take it by force. And the gospel message preached unto them did not profit them or benefit them. They didn't benefit from that because through unbelief, they failed to enter in to the rest of God. Now, He says, this same offer is given to you. It's offered to you, the believer today. We can enter into that realm, that place in God of total provision and total protection. But you know what? It's not going to be by the power or the might of human strength. It is not going to be by our natural skills, talents, and abilities. It's not going to be because man has built bridges over the troubled waters of human life. It's not going to be that we have a sound mind because of a psychologist or a psychiatrist. It is not going to be that we have a healthy body free from disease because of doctors and medical science. We don't put that down. We thank God for it. But it's not going to be because of them that we enter into a place where God protects us from all sickness and all disease. 
It's not going to be because of financial institutions that we are free in the realm of our finances. It is going to be by my spirit, saith the Lord. It is going to be by the power of my might, saith the Lord. It's going to be by the working of my almighty power and the work of faith in your life, saith the Lord. They didn't enter in. Why? Because they lacked faith in the gospel, faith in the power of God. And what force gets us into the promised land? Make sure you note this and write it down. This place that is offered to us in Christ is entered into by the work of faith with power. It is entered into by the work of faith with power. Faith with power. Number two, it is maintained by our maintaining a faith-filled, spirit-filled life. It is maintained by our maintaining a faith-filled, spirit-filled life. It is entered into by the work of faith with power. It is maintained by our maintaining a faith-filled, spirit-filled life. I'll say it one more time. It's essential that we understand it. How many of you know what knowledge, understanding, and wisdom mean? Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. You accumulate a lot of facts. Okay? You can have books of facts. Facts of knowledge. And that's good. That's a good starting point. But understanding is the ability to perceive those facts. Understanding, insight into those facts. The ability to perceive those facts. God's Word is not intellectually understood. God's Word is spiritually perceived. Understanding is the ability to perceive the facts of knowledge of God's Word. To have understanding. To perceive. That's why he said that we should have the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And the understanding of Him. Well, what is wisdom then? Wisdom is the application of the facts. See, you can say, I know that. That means you have knowledge. You can say, I know that and I understand how it works and yet not be able to apply it in your life. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge. Wisdom is the application of the facts of knowledge that we understand or that we perceive. So although we're giving facts of knowledge out to you right now, you have to have more than the facts of knowledge. You have to have the perception of that knowledge and you have to have the ability to apply what you understand about that knowledge in your life. And unless you get to that point or that place, you see, all the facts of knowledge that we have just lie dormant in our makeup or in our being. So you see, we want these things to be applicable in our lives. We want to know how to make reality in our lives with God. And that's why the faith message is so important because faith confessions creates realities. It makes the Word of God alive, a living thing. It enables us to experience reality with the living God. And it is essential that we have faith mixed with the power of God that we receive through the gospel. So once again, I'm going to state it so you understand it, so you can perceive it, and then begin to apply it in your life. They didn't do it. But I don't know about you, my brother and sister. We are dedicated to doing it. 
we will enter in and occupy the land of our inheritance because we choose to live the faith and walk in the power of God. Once again, the work of faith with power enables us to enter into the land and drive out the inhabitants thereof, the previous tenants. And then, maintaining a faith-filled, spirit-filled life is what enables us to maintain our inheritance, to maintain our deliverance, to maintain the victory that we have once we've entered in the land. See, so often, many, after they've gained victory, a counterattack of the enemy comes along and drives them back out of their victory, out of their inheritance. And Satan, down the road, two, three, four, five years, takes that person over again. And that's a principle of God's Word, and we want to talk about that. But what I want you to do with me is to turn to, to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And let's take a look at the illustration God gives us in His Word concerning these matters. To possess the land means to occupy it by driving out the previous tenants. When we came into the body of Christ, we were born again. God dealt with our spirit and He drove out spiritual death. Right? But the effect of spiritual death was still in and is still in and still affecting our minds and our bodies. I mean, that's easily understood. So we must, as believers... Use the work of faith with power to drive out the giants that are in the land. Those giants consist of fear, inhibitions, worry, anxiety, inferiority, sin consciousness, condemnation, guilt, disease, sickness, all kinds of things that are represented in our natural physical makeup because of spiritual death that once lost itself inside our hearts. Well, now that God has driven out that spiritual darkness and the enemy has been cast out of our lives, we are responsible to, to and, and under solemn responsibility, to maintain a spirit-filled, faith-filled life so that we can drive out the effects of spiritual death from our lives so we can enter into the fullness of our inheritance and occupy the land and just rejoice in all the blessings of our God. Now, here we have it illustrated in the natural, and we can, you know, gain some insight by seeing it here in the natural, but then we'll give you the spiritual connotation. Look at Numbers chapter uh, 13 and beginning at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I have given to the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, go on down to verse 16. They went out to spy out the land. Of course, this is what he told them to do. It names all the people. Verse 16, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Joshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Go, get ye up this way southward and go unto the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities that they be that dwell in, whether in tents or strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring up the fruit of the land. Now the time was 
the, the time was the time of the first strike, uh, first ripe grapes. And so they went and did what he, they said to do. Verse 25. They came back and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into this land whither thou sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey just as God said, this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. No, that's no lie. They were strong. And the cities were walled or fortified. They were very great, powerful. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up once and do what? And do what? Say it out loud. Now let's give our definition right here. Let us go up once and let us occupy it by driving out the inhabitants of the land. Do you see that? Let us go up at once and take possession of it by driving out the previous tenants. Those tenants that are in there, right? Let's drive them out right now. And let's go occupy the land. That's what he said. Those were his convictions. My brother and sister marked that. That's faith. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. Everybody say our own sight. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now, before we talk about that, let's state this. God is no longer going to do anything about the enemy or the enemies that we face in this life. God is no longer going to do anything about driving the enemy out of our lives. God, our Father, is not going to do one thing about driving the enemy out of our lives. He's not going to drive the fear out of our minds. He's not going to drive the inhibitions away from our lives. He's not going to drive out religious tradition. He's not going to drive out anything that comes against us in this life. He has done something about the devil. The devil has been defeated. He has made null and void the law of sin and death. He has provided for us a place in himself whereby we can enjoy the fullness of our inheritance, where there is a land that floweth with milk and honey, where we can eat in the presence of our enemies and be joyful with the oil of his spirit all flowing all over and upon us, where we can reign victorious right in the midst of the presence of our enemies. He has already done that for each and every one of us and he's saying I'm not about to do one more thing about the enemy that is trying to destroy your life trying to destroy your marriage about the disease that's trying to destroy your body about the oppression that's coming against your mind I'm not about to do anything about any of the enemies that you face about the devil the world and the flesh he says I want you to go up 
to the enemy, and I want you to drive the enemy out by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive that fear out of your life by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive that tradition out of your life by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive out the religious attitudes that exist in you by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive that disease out of your body by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive the demons that bind up your finances by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive out the influences that come against your children by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive out all the inhibitions that you may have by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive out that anger from your life by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive out the enemy that comes at you from every direction. I want you to drive out the spirit of the world that exists around you by the work of faith with power. I want you to drive out that demon spirit of alcoholism. I want you to drive out that demon spirit behind drug addiction. I want you to drive out that unclean spirit of lust that causes people to be homosexuals and lesbians and commit fornication and adultery. I want you to drive them out by the work of faith with power. Power. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not going to do anything about it. I want you to drive it out by the work of faith with power. Why is he saying that? Because I carried you so far. I've brought you up to the land. I've carried you in the wilderness. Everywhere, everywhere along the way where you fell, I picked you up. I showed you miracle after miracle, sign after sign, wonder after wonder, and I brought you to this place. Now the time has come, my son, my daughter. I want you to stand on your own two feet, and I want you to drive the enemy out of your life by the work of faith with power. That's what he's saying to us. Why? So that we can enjoy all provisions, so that we can enjoy our protection that he has provided for us. I want you to make note of this, if you, if you haven't already. We face three enemies. Number one, the devil. Number two, the world. And number three, the flesh. I want you to make note of the fact that God's not going to do anything about the devil, the world, or the flesh. Amen. But also make note of this, that the devil we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Did you hear that? The devil, write it down, is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. If the devil is playing games with your life, if the devil has come up against your child, if the devil is at war against your marriage, if the devil is doing something in your finances, he is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. God's not going to do anything about it. God let him just go ahead and do it. And he'll stay there. He'll wreak havoc. He'll, he'll just destroy your entire life and God won't do anything about it. Amen. But that devil is overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And that means he is overcome because we have a blood covenant with God the Father. Because we have rights and privileges based upon the blood covenant that God made with him. And by virtue of the blood of the Lamb, we stand pure and clean and holy before the living God. And because of that, we have... Airship with God, sonship with God, and power to use the name of Jesus over all the power of the enemy. And because of that, we can, by the word of our rights, our privileges, in our testimony, 
drive out the work of the devil, no matter what it is. Secondly, when it comes to the world, Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus has already come, overcome the spirit of the world. And if the spirit of the world has a hold on you, on me, on anybody in the body of Christ, if the spirit of the world is overcoming you or me or anybody in the body of Christ, then the Bible says this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Our what? By the work of faith with power, we overcome the devil, we overcome the world, and how do we overcome the flesh? If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The lusts of the flesh that rise up within us in the land of promise that try to keep us or prevent us from experiencing the best that God has for us, they can be driven out. How? As you walk in the Spirit or maintain a faith-filled, Spirit-filled life, you will not be overcome or fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you see, we have those enemies. And God's not going to do anything about those enemies. They have to be driven out. We have to drive them out through the work of faith and power. Faith with power. Now notice, turn from here and go to Joshua chapter 14, that these people lacked faith. They said, we cannot take the land. We are as grasshoppers in their sight. Although the land is a beautiful land, and although it has within it everything that God said, total provision for spirit, soul, and body, total protection from all the forces of darkness, although it's a place to be desired, the giants that are in that land are bigger than us, and we are grasshoppers in their sight, there's no way we're going to overcome them to get into that place. And God said that that was an evil report. That was a report of doubt and unbelief, and that prevented them from entering into that beautiful place of total provision with God. But it goes on to say that Caleb had another spirit within him. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Caleb maintained a spirit-filled, a faith-filled life. He had another spirit inside him. He had what is called, or what is termed, the spirit of faith. Caleb had the spirit of faith. He wholly followed God. That means on a daily basis, he maintained a spirit-filled and a faith-filled life. He knew it would be the work of faith with power that would enable him to go into the land and possess the land. Joshua was the same way. Joshua knew that we can possess the land. We can occupy the land. We can drive out the inhabitants of the land. He was the one that said that they are nothing but bread for us to feed upon. Glory to God. God is on our side and He's bigger than us and greater than us and we can enter into that land and experience the fullness of our blessings. Those two men, out of how many million, were the only ones to believe God like that. Few have ever really endeavored to get into that place in God. They were occupied with what they saw. But Joshua and Caleb were occupied with what they didn't see. Or what they knew, perceived, and applied spiritually. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And look at the result of it in Joshua chapter 14. I love this passage of Scripture. It just turns me loose. I know what it does to you, but it just turns me loose. Verse 6. Then the, then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephon, Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning me in, in thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was uh, I then when the Moses, was Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. 
And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. That's faith. Nevertheless, my brethren went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Moses swear on that day saying, Surely the land, now we're talking about this land that God has provided, total provision, total protection. He says, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said. These forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word to Moses and the children of Israel, wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the, in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the uh, Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced, fortified and strong. If so be the Lord will be with me, I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And the Lord and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh Hebron, for an inheritance. I want you to notice something here. It took that man 45 years, but 45 years later, he was as strong as he was when he was 40. He was as powerful as he was when he was 40. He was as capable as he was when he was 40 to go into that same land and drive out the same giants that were in the land. He says, I still got the same spirit of faith. For 45 years, he maintained a faith-filled, spirit-filled life that supernaturally endowed him with power, miracle-working power, that kept him young when he was old, that enabled him to go in there and drive about those devils and demons and those powers of darkness and he went in there by the hand of the Lord drove them out and took his land as a possession and as an inheritance for himself and for his family glory to God that's the force of faith with power and that's what he did well I want you to see something else this is a blessing go to 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 The force of faith with power got Caleb into the land. By driving out the enemy, driving out the giants, driving out the forces that were arrayed against him, the inhabitants of the land, the force of faith with power. Natural ability, human strength and wisdom were not enough. They could never, never accomplish that feat. That was a possibility from a natural perspective. There is no possible way that that man can gain that inheritance. My brothers and sisters, do you see that? That in the natural, it is an impossibility for us to ever to experience the fullness of God's blessings? That man will never devise ways or bridges that he'll build across the troubled waters of human life that will enable us to experience the best that God has for us? That is an impossibility. It can never be done. Yes, we thank God for the wisdom that men have. Yes, we thank God for all the innovative ideas that, that man has, you know, invented and achieved. We thank for all, God for all the strides that man has made in medical science and every other field of life. But my brother and sister, it doesn't matter how much they achieve. It doesn't matter how much knowledge they gain. They will never be able to help us in fulfilling God's plan, purpose, and will for our life because they cannot provide for us that which is necessary to get us into that land and occupy that land. It is an impossibility. It can never be done. It will never happen. So let's get our line of thinking changed. 
Let's focus in another direction. Let's begin to see that if we are going to in, enjoy the fullness of our inheritance, it has got to be through the work of faith with power. And let's do what Hebrews says. Let's use diligence to enter into that realm of God. Let's use diligence, effort, work, energy. Let's exercise ourselves in spiritual matters and in the Word of God so that we can drive out those forces that come against us, that hold us in bondage. And let's enter into that realm of God, that place with God. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20 and, and verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, with the other beside the Ammonites, came against Joshua, Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And then he goes on to talk about what happened, these, these troops coming against him. But I want you to notice in verse 1, these enemies that came against him represent the devil, the world, and the flesh. There were three armies. Moab, Mount Seir, and Ammon. The devil, the world, and the flesh. Under the reign of King Jehoshaphat, we find the Israelites in the land of promise. We find them occupying the land, enjoying the land. The other inhabitants were driven out, and now that they have taken up residency in that land. These enemies who are out there who were not driven out are coming in to take over the possession of the land. Once we, by faith and power, enter into a realm with God where we are delivered from our fears, where we are delivered from our inhibitions, where we are delivered from our sickness, where we're delivered from our pains, where we're delivered from sorrow, where we're delivered from our, our, our guilt and inferiority and sin consciousness and condemnation and all these other things, our financial problems. I want you to know something. That there is a flow of the world, there is a flow of the devil, there is a flow of the flesh. And those influences do not stop flowing. Do you see that? Those influences, sickness and disease will never stop flowing. It's flowing course until Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. The attitudes of your flesh, of my flesh, will never stop their flowing course until this body is changed in the twinkling of an eye. The devil will never stop his unrighteous course until Jesus binds him up for that thousand years and finally spews him out of his mouth. Those enemies will always be coming at us on a consistent basis. Why? To drive us out. See, once you enter in by the work of faith with power, they will always come against you then to drive you out. For an example, you got delivered from a migraine headache about a year ago. And you were walking free and thankful unto God for it for about a year. When all of a sudden, pain came back to your body. See, the works of darkness will never stop flowing. Pain will never stop flowing. The, the spirit of the world will never stop flowing. It will always maintain its course. But you see, through the work of faith with power, you rose above that. And you enjoyed freedom from that. And while you're in that land enjoying it, sometimes we want to sit back and eat grapes and forget about maintaining a spirit-filled, faith-filled life. And then, of course, through the strategy of the devil, he devises certain plans to get us to a place where we are a little bit spiritually weak and our faith is not up to par, so to speak. And so what happens is that pain starts to come back on our body. What happens is our finances start to uh, decline. What happens is, is our, our mind begins to get weakened. What happens is our spiritual condition begins to get a little bit weakened. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves once again in a position to be driven out of our inheritance. And we're not experiencing the best that God has to offer us once again. 
What's happened? The work of faith with power got us into that realm with God, but it's maintaining a faith-filled and a spirit-filled life that enables us to keep the devil out, to keep the flesh under check, to keep the spirit of the world away from us, to keep the devil bound up and locked up so that he doesn't come in and cause tragedy and devastation in our lives. It's the work of faith with power being maintained in the believer's life that enables us to do this. I want to show that to you. Look at over here in verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared. Jehoshaphat feared. The enemy was already driven out. And they had victory. They were living in their land of promise. They were enjoying it. But all of a sudden, three enemies come against them. The devil, the world, and the flesh. Mount Seir, Ammon, and all these others. Joshua, or Jehoshaphat did what he feared. You know, fear is a major giant. Fear is a major giant designed by Satan to drive us out of our inheritance. Brother and sister, I want you to get a hold of that. Fear is a major giant designed by Satan to drive us out of our inheritance, to put back on us sickness, disease, worry, frustration, to put back on us anything and everything that will destroy our minds, our finances, our marriages, our children, anything you set your hand to do. Fear is a major force, a giant in the realm of the Spirit designed by Satan to kill us, to steal from us, to destroy us. Fear, we said F, frustrates the grace of God. Fear, we said E, it escalates the authority of Satan. Satan's beneath our feet. He has no authority. But if we get into fear, we escalate his ability to come against us. A, it activates the power of Satan. It activates the forces of darkness like it did in the life of Job. And all of a sudden, Satan has a stronghold. Satan has a, a, a way to move, a loophole to move into Job's life and do all kind of devastation and destruction. R, it regulates our faith. It keeps our faith in check, represses our faith so that we cannot use our faith in a productive, positive way to maintain the land of our inheritance. That's what fear will do. And Jehoshaphat, in the land that he was enjoying, where he was enjoying the benefits of the gospel, he was enjoying the benefits of his inheritance, the land that God gave unto them, fear came once again. That giant stuck its big head up once again to do what? To drive them out of the land so that they can occupy that great land. Satan doesn't want us to have anything good or to experience Peace and health and well-being. So he feared. And it began to work. Jehoshaphat feared. But now notice this. And he set himself to do what? To seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah... Well, let's, let's stop right there. The Bible said that God hath not given us the spirit of what? Can you put a... You have a bookmarker? Can you put your bookmarker right there and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7? Quickly, can you do that? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. In the world we'll have tribulation. There's always a devil out there to contend with. There's always the flesh that wants us to flow with its emotional desires to keep us from experiencing the best that God has to offer us. They'll bring fear our way to hold us in bondage so that we can't experience what God has provided for us. But you know, beloved, the Bible says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. In verse 6 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 in the Amplified Bible, this is why I would remind you to stir up, to re-enkindle, uh, rekindle the embers, to fan the flame, to keep burning, 
the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying out of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and, uh, craving and cringing and falling fear, but He has given us a spirit of power and of love, of a calm, well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear came from Satan. He could motivate us in the flesh by the world system to enter into a realm of fear. God did not bring that to us. Although that spirit came, the giant stuck up its ugly head. God was saying by His Spirit to Timothy through the lips of the Apostle Paul, although you are finding yourself in a position that you are fearful because of what is happening around you, I want you to know that God did not give you that spirit of fear. And that spirit is designed to remove you from your inheritance, to kick you out of that land, and to allow the devil to come in and run all over you, to steal from you, to destroy, and to kill things in your life. And he says, I want you to stir up the gift of God in you. I want you to, to fan the flame of the fire. I want that fire to burn bright on the inside of you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the power of God, the gift of the Spirit of God. He says, by the faith that is in you, I know it's in you because it was in your grandmother. It was inside your mother. I am positive and persuaded that it's inside you, son Timothy. And I want you to use your faith to stir up, to generate the power and the glory of God. Fan that flame. Why? Because the only way fear can be dealt with, the only way fear can be driven out, the only way fear can be handled in your life is through the work of faith with power. It will dispel the fear. The fear will be gone because of the power of God that is emanating or active inside your life. It will drive out that fear and enable you to keep them out there and all the effects of fear out there so that you can enjoy the benefits of your inheritance. That's what he was saying. Stir up the gift of God. In other words, maintain a faith-filled and a spirit-filled life to keep the enemy on the outside. If you don't do this on a day-by-day basis, if you don't do this every day, then the enemy is going to have a day to get in there and develop a stronghold of fear in your life. So he says it's essential that you maintain a spirit-filled, a faith-filled life so that when these enemies... that devil, the world, and the flesh come against you, fear need not grip you, fear need not frustrate the grace of God, fear need not escalate the power of the authority of Satan, fear need not activate demonic influence in your life or repress your faith. You'll have power, you'll have love, and a well-disciplined mind to contend or to, to battle against that fear. Fight the good fight of faith, son Timothy, and stir up the power that is within you. Now go on back there and let's see what, what, what happened. You see, this is a principle. Once the devil's been cast out, when they occupy the land, they drive out the inhabitants of the land. Most of them. And they begin to occupy the land. And Jesus said, when the devil's gone out, what's he going to do first? Go to dry places, seek rest, find none, come where? Back into the house from which he was kicked out. And when he comes back, if he finds that house empty swept and garnished, he's going to enter back in and take over the land. Now listen, once we drive the enemy out and you've been delivered from your migraine headache, you've been delivered from your pain in your leg, you've been delivered from the pain in your back, once you drive out the enemy, he'll go out and seek rest and find none and he'll come back to that house, come back to that land. He'll want to enter back in. And if the first thing that person does is become fearful of receiving that thing again, he'll open the door to the devil and the devil will come back in again. 
And that's exactly what happened to Jehoshaphat. God got them into the land under the leadership of Joshua. They drove out the enemy. You heard the story of the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. It was the work of faith with power that enabled them to get in and take over the land. So they built a temple for God. Jehoshaphat is reigning king. And all of a sudden, these enemies, the devil, the world, and the flesh are coming against him to do what? To incite him to fear so that the fear then would open up the door to the devil and they would lose their inheritance to drive them out of that land and they would overtake the land. Now, now notice, let's read on and see. And verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat feared, set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Mark these things down. Number one, you can, you can maintain a spirit-filled and a faith-filled life by seeking the Lord. You can do it through fasting. You can do it through prayer. And you can do it through confession and praying in the Holy Ghost. And worship and praise. He sought the Lord. He proclaimed a fast. Gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, uh, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah, Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, and said, he began to pray. He began to pray. Now I want you to notice this because it's about most important. So, Lord God of our fathers, are not thou God in heaven? Rulest, thou, rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine power hand is there not power and might? So that none is able to withstand thee. It's not wrong to go to God and tell Him who He is. And to tell Him what He has. And to tell Him what He has done. O Lord, art thou God? What did uh, Paul, or what did John and Peter do in Acts chapter 4 when they were in question because of, of healing the lame man? What did they, they went to their own company and they reported all the chief priests and elders said unto them, and they said, Lord, thou art God. You made the heaven, you made the earth, you made the sea. You made the heaven, you made the earth, you made the sea. And you've got power. Stretch forth thine hand and heal. Let signs and wonders be wrought. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Has your day of trouble come? Has something come against you to destroy you in your mind and your body? Has fear gripped you? Fear of falling back into that temptation? Fear of being overcome by this? Fear of being overcome by that? Fear of being destroyed in spirit, soul, or body? If that fear comes, it's not wrong to stand before. I mean, just stand naked and humble before a living God and say, Father God, you are the God of the universe. You made the heaven. You made the earth. You made the sea. That'll fill you with faith right there. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. I'm not looking unto man. I'm looking unto you. Nothing is too difficult for you. You made the whole thing. You put it all together. You uphold it. You maintain it. You sustain it. And you propel it by the word of your power. And you are God. And you are my God. And you are on my side. And they've come against me. The devil, the world, and the flesh. And I'm telling you what. I'm going to drive them out by the power of your name. Hallelujah. I'm going to drive them out in Jesus' mighty name. And I'm not going to be overcome. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. Look at the next, next verse. In your hand, he said, is power and might. None's able to withstand you. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy, before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the, to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. And they dwelt therein. Notice, they've come to the land. Now they possess the land, and now they're dwelling in the land. And in that land they built a sanctuary. Notice this. And they dwelt therein and have built the sanctuary therein for thy name. Do you think that you are the temple of God? Are you the sanctuary of God? Is the name of God inside you tonight? You better believe it. 
If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. I want you to know the name of the Lord God is in you because you are the house of the living God right now tonight. And cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou will hear and you're going to help. And now behold, now notice they did not deny, they did not deny the symptoms. They did not deny that there was an enemy out there. They didn't deny the fear. They didn't deny anything that was there. Behold, the children of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. When they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. See, they've entered into that place by faith and power. But now, even though they've entered in, it's not automatic. Do you see that? It's not automatic. I see so many who have gone this far in Him, get to this place in Him, and then they think it's all automatic. It's not automatic. It's going to take maintaining a faith-filled, spirit-filled life to keep the enemy out. Because the enemy will always try to come back in. Whether it's a, a disease, whether it's a, a mental problem, whether, no matter what it, your financial uh, problems, whatever it is, you, you're not going to get to a place that you can be comfortable. You're going to have to stay in a place where you're always on the alert so that you maintain a spirit-filled, faith-filled life to keep the enemy out. He goes on to say, They've come to cast us out of your possession, which you gave us to inherit. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? We have no might. Mark that down. Underline that. That is humility. It's not by might. It's not by our power. It's not by our human ability. We have no might. Would to God that the people of the world today would say, Oh God, we have no might. Would to God that even the children of God would say today, Oh, Lord God, we have no might. We, don't, we can't trust in our own ability. We can't trust in our own wisdom. We can't trust in our own strength. We can't trust in our own We have no might. We cannot combat cancer. We cannot combat tuberculosis. We cannot combat AIDS disease. We have no might. But Lord, You are God. Lord, You are God. Oh, my Wilt thou not judge them? We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Is that humility? That's a king saying that. Underline this next expression. Oh, it'll set you loose. But our eyes are upon thee. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are subject to change, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So our eyes, oh Lord, are not on the circumstances. We didn't deny them, but our eyes are not on the circumstances. Our eyes are not on our own strength or ability. Our eyes are not on our own self to trust in ourselves. Our eyes are fixed upon Thee, oh God. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, with their wives and their children. Now notice this. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Madaniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit. It's not by power. 
It's not by might. Glory to God, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not your ability. It's not your strength. You can't devise some remedy. It's not going to be by what you can think up or conjure up on your own mind and my own mind. No. And they, they acknowledged that. They didn't deny the symptoms. They didn't deny the problem. But they said, we look unto you. We're not looking at things seen. Our focus is on you, Father. God, oh God, that made heaven and earth. You are more than enough, they were saying. And in what happened when they acknowledged that in all humility, when they wait upon Him, those confession does prayer and confession and waiting on God enable us to exchange strength? Yes, it does, because the Spirit of the Lord descended upon Jehaziel and he began to speak the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And what fell from his lips? Are you ready for this? Instruction in their time of need. See, someone said he'll deliver us. Yeah, but you know how? He'll instruct you. Listen to this. He'll, he'll give you something to produce faith. Look what he says. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. God said it. He's saying it by his spirit. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid. First thing he dealt with was the fear. Nor dismayed. By reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Hallelujah. The battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. Tomorrow go down and do this. In verse 17, you shall not need to fight. In this battle, set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of your God. Salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat, are you ready for this? I want you to see something here. I want you to notice that nothing has changed. The enemy's still coming. All they had was a word from God. They could have believed it. They could have disbelieved it. But all they did was sought God. They heard a word from the Lord. That word was power-packed. It was filled with the life of God. It was full of the energy of God. It was active, sharper than any two sword, energizing. I mean, it energized them with Holy Ghost power. It energized them with Holy Ghost miracle-working, delivering power. And they got so excited. Look what they did in the next verse. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a soft voice. <laughs> Have you got any shout in you tonight? Nothing has changed. The circumstances haven't changed. The battle's still raging. The enemy's still coming. The flesh is still flowing. The world, spirit of the world is still flowing against your child. I mean, it's against your marriage. The devil's coming against your mind, against your body. The devil's coming against us in every way. The world, the devil, the flesh, it not... Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.